Hello and welcome to another episode of AdventuresIn.net. I'm Sean Kleber, your host, and with me today, Waylou. Hey, Way. Hey, Sean. What's going on? <laughs> Winter has started here. We've been getting snow and rain and wind. And so just the other day I woke up and we had two inches of snow on my deck. It's kind of oh, weird. Right. It like a week and a half ago, it was like 70 degrees. So strange. Yeah, we're getting we're getting tons of rain here. We had Hall- Halloween's like a big thing in Australia now, but this year it was like just all rained out. So it's a shame. <laughs> no, is Halloween a, a new thing for Australia? Or? I think in like the last like five years, it's kind of like it's probably not as big as like the states, but it's it's kind of started being pretty big now. Or maybe I've just noticed because I've now got trick or treat kids age, yeah. So yeah, but but yeah, it's good. Uh, I liked Halloween, and um, yeah, it's a shame that we couldn't do trick or treating this year. Yeah. Okay. Let's introduce our guest. Let's welcome Diaz Yakubova. Yakuba. Say your last name, Diaz. I can't say. Yeah. Diaz Yakuba. <laughs> Okay. okay. That's good. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood. I've been talking to a whole bunch of people that want to update their resume and find a better job. And I figure, well, why not just share my resume? So you, if you go to topendevs.com slash resume, enter your name and email address, then you'll get a copy of the resume that I use, that I've used through freelancing, through m- most of my career, as I've kind of refined it and tweaked it to get me the jobs that I want. Uh, like I said, topendevs.com slash resume will get you that. And uh, you can just kind of use the formatting. It comes in Word and Pages formats, and you can just fill it in from there. So uh, let's start off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, how you got into development and how you got into using .NET? Oh, yeah. So basically, my career started 10 plus years ago at university. I was doing one of the university projects, which basically was uh, .NET, ISP.NET application. And since that, my main programming uh, languages are like C-sharp and uh, .NET and JavaScript. So I started working in Kazakhstan. Then I moved to St. Petersburg, Russia, where I spent two years. And currently I have been working in Finland for almost three years. Okay. Well, cool. So uh, I think what we're going to talk about is uh, an article that you wrote on Medium about .NET tools that you find useful and, and like to use. So where should we start in that, that list of tools? Which, which is your favorite tool? Yeah. So I can give some context to our like listeners. Yeah. So I guess like uh, the recent four or five years were very productive in terms of quality of my work. So, and I also noticed that some developers like may struggle to step out of the code and do some high level design. And so, and morally it could be even like challenging to do both sides of things, like doing the coding and doing the diagramming and designing. So at some point ago, I realized that uh, I just need to have a set of tools that I would master. And so that those tools would uh, accomplish the uh, routines that make our that makes our jobs less less fun. So and of course it had released a lot of time which uh, which I could um, employ or or waste. So uh, hence I came up with the idea of uh, sharing like my experience with others. So I guess the like the most powerful tool that I have been using for almost two years is Endepend. So basically, it's a tool that helps you to 
go through all layers of uh, .NET application. You can observe it. You can check its dependencies and like have a better visualization than, for example, uh, inbuilt Visual Studio or Rider can 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 give. So yeah, so basically with Endpend has uh, its standalone application that you can install and use, and it also has a Visual Studio extension that you can install into your Visual Studio and use it along with like other Visual Studio tools uh, extensions. So basically, when you like when you start using Endpend, you may notice that there are a lot of things to learn and a lot of things to adjust and tweak. One of them is it's like reporting tool where you can adjust the special like quality gates and checkers that may run like may 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 run like on a daily basis and you can also automate it and and depend produces a very good report where you can observe the quality of your code like there are several like as i mentioned previously it has those quality gates and checkers that you can adjust and there are a lot of different quality checkers for example you can use psychometric complexity checker and you can put a number that the complexity of your class should not should not uh, be more than uh, 15 points for example and independent will like constantly check your project for that number there are other like checkers or quality gates that you can leverage and uh, and use besides that you can also use your own custom quality checker if you want to to do that so for example Let's assume that uh, we are using or we adhere some like naming convention in our project or we want to like, yeah, naming convention. Let's assume that scenario. And we decided that like the the length of the class name should not exist like 20 characters. So a very simple checker that uh, you uh, that could be like run many 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 times and uh, do this simple chore like routine stuff so independence NPEN is really focused on checking code quality making sure that it's you're adhering to standards that either your organization or yourself has has put in place you know to make sure that things are more maintainable and things like that is that right yeah it's yeah this exactly what I want to say, and it also gives some like some possibility to observe the project. As I said, uh, it has its like uh, visualization tool that can visualize the dependency graph. And the good thing of that that it also shows uh, like different dependencies. Like in it even shows indirect calls like between classes. And it also may cluster some like components or projects to make one one abstraction, one level of abstraction to like simplify the the visualized graph. Just a uh, kind of like code analyzer, kind of like JSLint. There's like a linter for for C sharp, I guess. Yeah, and it's got uh, all the and some visualization tools. Yeah, but uh, like 
Linter uh, works like simultaneously when you're coding, but Endepend works when you're running. When you compile, so, yeah. Yeah, you can you can also uh, like configure this part. So and the another thing that uh, it also has a um, like headless version that you can uh, install on on your like CI/CD pipeline and leverage the reporting and uh, quality gates checking there. Yeah, so you can put it into a, like a DevOps pipeline or an, or GitHub Actions yeah, exactly. thing, and yeah, and then. Have it check yeah. it every four. You go into another environment. Another yeah. environment. Yeah. Cool. And is this an open source tool? Fortunately, it's not open source tool. Oh, is it? So, is it free or is it? Is it paid? It's a paid. Oh, okay. So, yeah, and it's not cheap to be honest. And like, it gives a very good, like a very, a very good uh, quality checker tool that you can use and customize. So, and it, it's. It's pricey, but I think that it costs its money. So yeah, it looks like it's about five hundred dollars US for a one-year license. You know, if you want to get three years, it'd be like double that. So there is renewal discounts and things like that. So yeah, it's a it's a little pricey for you know most developers, especially if they're going to pay for it on their own. But they might have some discount programs, things like that available. I'm guessing it's the target audience is more for corporations and things like that, especially. Since we're talking about putting into a CIC pipeline, so for a big corporation, you know, five hundred dollars a year per developer probably is, is okay because you pay a developer a lot more than five hundred dollars a year, right? And if you can increase their productivity by that much, it's it's fine. So yeah, I can see people buying it if it's useful. So well, um, yeah, is that, is that something that you're that you've bought yourself, or is it is it through the company that you work for? Then just out of curiosity, yeah, it was free. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. nice. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, but like I left the company and now I'm considering to buy. It so what's the benefit of being able to see all the different dependencies that are that it's, that's in your project? I mean, you know, as you're developing, you kind of know which which relationships you put between your different projects and any external packages that you developed. So you kind of already know that. But what does this tool add to just that basic understanding? Yeah, like it's very helpful when like several teams, let's say, let's put it like this, when several teams working uh, may work on the same project and like and it could be a mono repository with like several projects and the, the big projects that has like tens of uh, different projects could be a bit tricky to observe and control all of those changes that may introduced by other developers so by these two you can you can detect some like changes which like you don't want to you, you don't want to see in the code base and it also may like give some feeling of not controlling but let's say yeah it it just ensures that like the code is good and there are not like bad smelling in uh, dependencies between uh like different projects because like in development when we do the projects we usually adhere some principles like ddd like onion layered architecture and so on and like certain types of projects like repositories or patterns they use like defined dependencies right so and 
by like checking on the graph dependencies uh, these kind of different types of calls you can uh, like prevent the bad smelling code before it contaminates like other other parts of the project does independent have like its own little query language i think i read that in your article so yeah exactly so it has this cq link query language which allows you like querying the production code with c sharp and link you like syntax so it has its own like some special let's say language constructions that you can use but in general the the approach is very simple so every dotnet developer may just take it and use it because it's the same c sharp and link you so, so what kind of things would you query about your your code? This kind of sounds interesting. What am I going to ask this system to give me a report on my code? Yeah, so let's. I can give an example. So it's also uh, this example in my. Uh, it's mentioned in my article that we like we used a DDD approach in one project, and there is an aggregate term for certain types of uh, classes, and the. The problem with aggregates that the like new developers tend to make them like super class or too big, too complex, and so on. And to prevent that, we put a special like small checker that checks the cyclomatic complexity of all classes that that contains the ag 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 suffix which we used to like to mark that this object is aggregate. So this is just a simple like example, but it gives like so much control over the code and and other like scenarios could be even built more in a more complex way. So we also with uh, with CQ link we uh, we also check the that certain types of classes has right attributes to like, to do some 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 work serialization for example we uh, we also check that uh, certain types of uh, classes have this attribute i imagine you could you could query something like you know show me any methods that have you know a number of lines exceeding some amounts so you can say hey that's probably too much you should probably break it out and refactor it yeah exactly and you can also count the number of arguments of the method if it's too big then probably it smells and you have to like refactor it yeah and so on and so on and so forth there might be a lot of cases but, like the the good thing that like you can write the small link query which could be very simple but it helps a lot during the development and uh, daily routines. And is it only for Visual Studio or is it for Visual Studio code or other ideas? Uh, it like, yeah, the, they just released the new version of Independent. I have not uh, used it yet, but the announcement says that now you can use it in Visual Studio code as well. Previously, it was not possible. And like, and the cross-environment development was a kind of bottleneck of independent. It was Windows-only Windows only tool, let's say. Uh, but uh, this headless uh, independent, you, I was able to run it in uh, like Linux and macOS environment. But the 
like the application itself or the extension was available only for a Windows machine. So, but recently, I guess it, it, it has been changed. So I'm looking yeah. forward to check this. Hey there, this is Charles Maxwood. I'm excited because I wanted to let you know about this thing that I pulled together that I had just, I've been dying to have this for years and I never felt like I could. And then I just realized that there's no reason why I can't. So um, I'm putting together a book club and we're going to read development focused books, career books, you know, uh, technical books, whatever. The first book that we're going to do is going to be Clean Architecture by Uncle Bob Martin. If you're not familiar with Clean Code or some of the other stuff that Bob has done, check that out. I've also talked to him on the Clean Coders podcast, which is on Top End Devs. But uh, yeah, we're going to get on. He's going to show up to some of our meetings. And what I'm thinking is we'll probably have like five or six people uh, part of the conversation along with Bob and I at the same time. And we'll just, uh, so somebody can come on, they can ask their question and then we'll just rotate people through. So we'll we'll mute one person, unmute another person when it's their turn to come on and, and be part of the discussion. So we'll do that for like an hour, hour and a half. And then the other part of it that I'm putting together is just kind of a meet and greet gather area on Gather Town. And so after the the meetup and the call, what we'll do is we'll all go over to Gather Town and you can just log in, walk up to a group and have a conversation. And that way we can all kind of get to know each other and and make friends and, and get to know people across the world. Uh, one thing that I'm finding is that, yeah, the meetups are starting to come back, but a lot of people don't have the opportunity to go to a meetup. And I really want to meet you guys and talk to you. So we're going to put all that together. It'll all be part of that book club. You can go to topendevs.com slash book club to be part of it. And I'm looking forward to seeing you there. The first book club meeting will be in December, the beginning of December. We're starting the first week of December. And um, you'll also be part of the conversation about which book we do next. I have one in mind, but I want to see where everybody's at. So there you go. I think it's a, it's a really interesting space, this whole like intelligent coding thing. I've kind of noticed that even IntelliSense is starting to get smarter and smarter. The, the recommendations it, it can give you and things like that, whenever you, you, know, you, you highlight over code, and things like that to try to make your code better. So it's really interesting how we're using, we're starting to use AI and things like that to, to make our code smarter. Yeah, exactly. So I guess the smart thing starts with small things. So, and <laughs> CQ Link is about that. Just little by little, you can build a very impressive quality, uh, like gates for your product. Okay. So, uh, what's the, the next tool that you find useful that you? Yeah, so the next one is the, like, it's a, it's not a tool, but uh, it's more about the way of visualizing the software architecture. And its name is the C4 model. And yeah, it's it's developed by Simon Brown. So uh, he's an author of, of this type of visualizing software, uh, visualizing, sorry, uh, technique. So, and the, like, the, the idea is very simple. There are like four levels of abstractions and each, uh, each level represents its own like semantic payload and what could be like drawn uh, here, there. And yeah, so the problem with uh, like how I came up with like with, with these two. So I, I used to draw a lot of diagrams and my previous workplaces. And one thing I like, I noticed that not every diagram may like convey the idea and 
tell the story. Some like usually you may not uh, like you you may not understand the diagram just by yourself by like looking at it and like understand what what is going on there. So basically, you need uh, like a person who know who designed that diagram and he may like accomplish the story and tell you the story and like go through the diagram with you. But with like and and then I found this uh, C4 model that like that gives uh, you the possibility to 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 diagram the uh, the software architecture that will tell the story and you don't really need like an author of this diagram to to share it with someone so you can just send it and it's very uh, readable understandable and it uh, it's just a standardized way of uh, presenting the information so there are four levels as i said and the first level is the context level, and basically it just tells uh, it it represents the system as a black box in the center of the uh, diagram, and around you can you can see only the external systems and actors that in some way uses this uh, software system. So basically, it's a system and its surrounding world or external world. So and uh, these diagrams, this di- this type of diagram shows the kind of big picture. It just tells you that this system works like that and interacts with those external systems. That's it. And one you can drill down one level, and the next level is the containers, and it represents the the system inter internals in a container wise. Basically, what is the container? Container is a deployable unit. So please don't confuse with the Docker container. So it's not about the Docker, but the thing that it should be deployable. For example, database, it's a deployable thing. So you can call it container. Then the application, the front end also, because you can deploy it into the browser and it's like deployable and runnable. So and there you can like at, uh, on on that level you can show like how different deployable parts of your system interacts with uh, each other and each box has a brief description what is the container about. For example, if it's a front-end container, then you can like if it's like web client container, let's say, then you can put some details about the tech that like maybe it could be like react based application and then you can uh, put some brief description that um, this application is an admin panel and and so on and so forth so and the next and le- the next level if you drill down so basically you for example uh, select any of the containers and you drill down to the components level. On a components level, uh, you you may observe different components within this particular container slash application. And those components are basically abstractions uh, of your system, uh, of the application. So they shouldn't represent 
uh, your real code base, like classes and so on. Rather than that, it just gives you like understanding what are the internals of this application. So for example, if we are talking about some basic application, usually it has like several types of different services that you can use. For example, you have um, you have an integration with uh, GitHub and uh, with something else. So you can put uh, like GitHub integration as a component. So, but Git, it might be that the like GitHub integration code has like several other, has many, many other like classes and interfaces and so on, but it really doesn't matter. You just want to tell the story that it has a GitHub integration and there is a dedicated like component for that. And the last one is the code level, which is basically the dependency graphs on a like code level. So there is nothing new. So basically Visual Studio code may generate it automatically. So you don't have, you don't really need to, to, to draw them. And uh, I would say that like in most of my projects, I used only first two diagrams. So context diagram and the containers diagram. And the components diagram was kind of optional. So I used them for like several projects, but um, I used them because I used the like components diagram because some some parts of the system was like too complex. And for that, I, I made the components diagram and I've never like never ever <laughs> used to draw the code diagram. So I guess it's just uh, like Visual Studio <laughs> may do that. <laughs> yeah, so basically, yeah, that's it. So about the C4 model. So it just gives the clarity and the good level of abstractions over the uh, complex software. So I was just going to ask, uh, what tool are you using for this? Because this is a, a language, right? Is there like a tool that you can actually use to yeah so you are right so it's a language and but there are like several ways of several ways of drawing uh, this diagram so the first one and like the most basic one is just use is just using some tools for diagramming like drawio or uh, miro or some other tools so and the my preferred one is plantumel so it's um, Visual Studio Code. By the way, it's also like text-based text-based diagramming tool. It's a language, so you can like as a uh, as a YAML file, you can define what what components you have, what what it does, and so and make the relationship between those components in a in a text-based way. And then the PlantUML will like automatically draw the, this thing. So, yeah, and there is a, like, structurizer modeling tool, which is found by the author of uh, C-Form model. And it's expensive. You have to pay for that. But but the good thing that it has one uh, free workspace, basically, if you kind of want to try it out, so you can register there and have one free workspace where you can draw these uh, diagrams. And the good part of Structurizer is that you can, uh, the diagrams are interactive. 
so you can like drag and drop them and drill into like particular parts of the of the components okay so your article uh, you know goes through a uh, uh, lots of different tools in there we probably only have time for one more tool so what's what's the next tool that you want to let people to know about oh right so i guess the yeah i my favorite one is sharp lab uh, by andre uh, chokin i guess i pronounce it correctly so it's a website we, where you can uh, try out the new C sharp syntaxes, like, and you can observe the like how how that net works under under the hood. For example, you can measure like different performance uh, parts, and you can also learn how the memory that networks the memory management part. So I like it because it really helps to understand the like .NET internals, and I I highly recommend like checking checking SharpLab because it it's a great it's a great website that can visualize the the difficult the .NET memory management part. So do you know how this compares to like try.net or do you know try.net? I yeah. I try. Yeah. try.dot.dot.net. It's uh, basically it's just a a way to run your C sharp code in the browser. So it sounds like uh, the Sharp Lab is probably you know a little more in depth. You know if it, if you're learning how the internals are working and things like that from from Sharp Lab. So that's probably more than what uh, the try.net website is. So try.net is basically just kind of like a a playground for testing out different .NET development stuff. Mm, okay. So what you paste your code onto the Sharp Lab website of it, and it just gives you a bit more information. Is that what it's supposed to do? You, for example, yeah. So it has different constructions, and my favorite one is the ins- like the inspect inspect method. That way you can d- draw out the the uh, memory graph, for example. So and uh, like it, uh, it um, the memory management stuff is like in .NET is kind of the most difficult part. I mean, and the most sophisticated one. And it's just interesting to see how uh, .NET allocates and manages the memory. And when the new feature of C Sharp is released, and it's also good to check out like how how it uh, works in a in memory memory wise so you can paste it and then you can see on a like there is a on the left side there is a code editor and on the right side the sharp lab may visualize the like how it allocates the object into the memory so it has it represents like two sections the stack and heap and you can see how for example objects are where they are located and how the um, links or routes goes from where. Yeah, that actually does sound pretty interesting. I'm just on the site now, just playing around with it. So you can compile it into IL and just machine code and things like that. So, yeah. And yeah, as I said, it's a very good way of checking the new features of C Sharp. So, it, so does it, this actually run your code, or is it just going to show you what it kind of compiles down to? I it no, I guess it 
it runs it inside because how it may show all all, all those things like well it could just use the compiler to take your code and then show what the inner the IL language would end up being or something along those lines you know yeah that's right also... that is pretty much just geared towards running some code not showing uh, that... you what it compiles down to yeah, yeah, it 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 it, it runs it. I do believe that it runs it because there are like modes that you can you can select like debug, and there is also a run run bot. Yeah, I'm not really sure how it works like behind the scene, but it's a good resource of like learning and trying out new things. I think it's only for one file as well, right? It's not like you can just kind of push the whole I don't know C sharp project on there and it does it so. no no i get yeah it's like a geeky tool yeah it's just for like if you're curious about something you can can observe it there yeah yeah i can see myself kind of pacing a few lines of code to see what it does kind of sometimes so exactly okay well great thanks ds if people have questions and they want to get in touch with you what's the best way to do that yeah so i guess the link on my article would be in like in this podcast, right? So yeah, we'll put uh, the, the link to the article in, in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. So on the medium, they may ask all like related questions to to that topic. Okay. If our listeners want to reach out to the show, we'd love to hear from you. Get in touch with me. I am on Twitter. I am at .net superhero. And with that, I guess we'll move on to picks. Have you ever wished that you had a group of people that were just as passionate about writing code as you are? I know I did. I did that for most of my career. I'd go to the meetups. I'd try and create other opportunities. And it was just really hard, right? The meetups, I got some of that, but they were only like once or twice a month. And it was just really hard to find that group of people that I connected with and, and really wanted to, you know, talk about code a lot, right? I mean, I love writing code. I think it's the best. And so I've decided to create this community and create it a, a worldwide community that we can all jump in and do it. So we're going to have two workshops every week. One of those or two of those every month are going to be Q&A calls, right, where you can get on, you can ask me or me and another expert questions. Uh, the rest of them are going to be focused on different aspects of career or programming or things like that, right? So it'll go anywhere from like deployments and containers all the way up to managing your 401k and negotiating your benefits package. Well, we'll cover all of it, okay? And then we're also going to have meetups every month for your particular technology area. So we have shows about JavaScript, React, Angular, Vue, and so on. We're going to have meetups for all of those things. I'm going to revive the freelancer show. We'll have one about that, right? So you can get started freelancing or continue freelancing if that's where you're at. And I'm working on finding authors who can actually do weekly video tutorials on something for 10 minutes that's related, to, again, to those technology areas so that you can stay current, keep growing. So if you're interested, go to topendevs.com slash sign up and you can get in right now for $39. When we're done, that price is going to go up to $75. And the $39 price gets you access to two calls per week. The, the full price at $150, which is going to be $75 over the next few weeks, that price is going to get you access to all of the calls and all of the tutorials and everything else that we put out from Top End Devs along with member pricing for our remote conferences that are coming up next year. So go check it out, topendevs.com slash sign up. Why? Do you want to let us know what your pick is this week? So my pick this week is a, a new show on Netflix. It's called Blockbuster. And it's about 
the last blockbuster store. I think it just came out this week, so it's kind of like a sitcom, I guess. And it's, I guess, it's kind of ironic that it's on, it's on Netflix, given that Netflix ran blockbuster out of business. So, <laughs> so is it is it the 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 real last blockbuster that's on it, or is it just a a series show that's kind of based around the last blockbuster? I think it's just a fictional show. I don't, it's not like a okay. yeah. It's, it's not like a documentary of. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Is it still? I, I think I've seen yeah. a documentary on the last one. Oh, is it? yeah, the last one. Yeah. Is, yeah, is yeah, it? Are they still around? Is that one still it out? It was in Oregon. I don't know if they still are going or not. There was there were two left. I think one was Alaska and one was Oregon, and then I think Alaska shut down. If I'm right, and, <laughs> I don't know the current status of the one in Oregon. Okay. Yeah. No, it's definitely not about the one in. But it's not it's not a fictional piece, yeah. it's just a comedy. So yeah. Oh, okay, cool. All right, Diaz, do you have a pick for us? Yeah. So my pick is kind of more professional. So uh yeah, I highly recommend reading the CLR via C sharp by Jeffrey Richter. So this book uh, is so called uh Dotnet Bible and it helped me a lot to boost my like Dotnet knowledge and career. Or you can just put it on your like table to impress your co-workers. No need to read. So that's my pick. Okay. And my pick this week, I think, is going to be a website that I just found an article on when I was reading through different things. And it's a, a website called Discmaster. And this website, what they're trying to do is find and archive every possible CD-ROM and floppy disk that they could find anywhere in, in all of history. So they're trying to really become an internet archive of disks of things that, you know, find in the past. So you can find all sorts of weird stuff out there. You can also find probably stuff that's probably dangerous and probably some viruses and things like that, because they're just, they're trying to archive everything. So I know when I try to go to it first in my browser, it says, warning, warning, there's stuff here that could, you know, potentially be harmful to your machine and things like that. So I'll put the link to uh, the article that I found in the show notes. But yeah, if you just search for uh, Disk Master Archive, uh, it should probably come up for you. So it sounds like one of those like abandonware websites where you can download, you know, old console games and things like that, but yeah, for CD-ROMs. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how they're getting around all the copyright stuff that they're probably putting out there and things like that. Well, all, the, all the companies I, are probably uh, out of business. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Some is it a dark net? Yeah, they're trying to do, you know, you know, lots of graphics, videos. You know, if you're looking for a specific driver that was, you know, 10, 15 years ago, that's not on the manufacturer's website, you might be able to find it out here. So it's interesting, but yeah, definitely be cautious and uh, don't blame me if anything goes wrong. So <laughs> my, my, my disclaimer, you know, use it your own risk. All right. Thanks, Diaz. Thanks, Way. Thank you for yeah. like for having me. Yep. Thanks for coming. Thank you. And we'll catch everybody else on the next episode of Adventures in .net. Bye. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.